Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message to all those who are hungry and thirsty for reality. You've come to the right place. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, come by without money, without price. Why do you spend your labor and your energy for that which is empty and does not satisfy? Yes, you've come to the right place. For all of those that are new, I want you to be aware that I have a website at ultimatemeaning.com. I've recently updated it because a lot of the links over time were not working because of different videos that were run by a different system, but now they are. However, there is there now not only all of those links with many videos that are working recently, for example, people from various backgrounds, life after death videos and so on, various religious backgrounds that have come to know the one true eternal God, the ultimate manifestation and perfection of love. But there is up there at ultimatemeaning.com a flip book. You can freely go through it and look at it. It was written by me by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me. There are many links highlighted in red that go to very many profound and amazing videos that highly confirm the reality of what I am sharing here. Of ultimate meaning and purpose for your life as an individual. It is found in the ultimate manifestation and perfection of God who is the one true eternal God known in the Old Testament as Yahweh Elohim which basically means the ultimate reality far above and separate beyond creation. That's what the first word means. And Elohim means the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because God cannot be God unless he's in three personages because he must rule over the three ultimate aspects of existence which are beyond creation as the Father, beyond time and space and creation as the Father, the originator, fully expressed as the Father into creation, that's the second aspect of creation, is within the creation realm as the Son, Jesus Christ, and filling all dimensions of existence and time and space in omnipresence as the Holy Spirit. And you must be in conscious intelligence and personage in those three ultimate aspects of existence simultaneously. Thus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one true eternal God. This message is for those that have come to the saving knowledge of God through Jesus Christ, who is God, fully God, expressed and manifest in the creature realm, to experience the creation and to communicate on a mere creature level. Jesus Christ, fully God. I want to share what God has been giving me by his spirit to speak to the body of Christ in this hour. 
And what I do to facilitate that is I seek to speak as the oracles of God so that I indeed do speak as the oracles of God in measure. I wouldn't say I am perfected in that, but the word of God commands us in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. How many people in churches nowadays seek to speak out of the Spirit of God what God is saying? That's greatly lacking in leadership overall. There's another scripture that explains this further in Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is as we worship God in spirit and in truth in great reverence and love towards God that we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances coming forth from us by the spirit of God. It's out of worship. And so I will seek to speak this message out of a heart set and mindset of worship, not by having a bunch of notes or preparing something. All I do is spend a half an hour meditating on two chapters. Now I receive those two chapters by the casting of Lot before God, which is very scriptural. It says in Proverbs 16, 33, the casting of the Lot and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. It was extensively used in the Old Testament scriptures by many, of course, Moses, Joshua, King Solomon, David, and so on. It was used by the early church to choose the apostle that took the place of Judas who denied the Lord. It was used in church history by powerful movements raised up by God and by his spirit, powerful movements of revival like the Moravians who even chose it to choose their own wives. It only works when you're walking right with God in a deep love relationship with him and you do it in great reverence. So I want to share with you the two chapters I received today using two random applications to get two chapters that bear witness as to what the theme is that God is wanting me to speak on. And I do that also with a song, and so I did cast lots today and got a worship song, which is the one that we will sing right now. So here goes with the worship song that we receive by the casting of Lot from a hymn book of 1,080 hymns from throughout church history and also from the underground church in China that was greatly persecuted under the work of Watchman Nee and his co-workers that planted many hundreds of churches throughout China. And they wrote their own songs, and I believe this is one of them that may have its origin there. Maybe it's from somewhere else. I don't know any of these songs myself that well, but they're very beautiful songs, and you can find them on my website at loverealize.com where you can listen to them. They're all in video with the words so that you can use them in a church with an overhead projector or on your own, on your phone, or whatever. So here is the song we got today by the casting of Lot. It is hymn 475, One With Thee, Thou Son Eternal. Share me in 
no life more abundant or that can even come close to being compared to that of the greatest pleasures that this world could possibly offer and yet even we as believers have been lured and hypnotized by the baits of this world and had our lives manipulated and robbed many times from the things that god desires us to enter into because we put our identity more in our own natural family than in our relationship with him, or in the things of this world, or in the relationship with our wife or whatever, we have often found ourselves prey to the subtle wiles of Satan. And God wants to bring us into a place of such liberty and abundance right here in this world, not in the pleasures of this world, for that is not where liberty and abundance is found, but in the love of God shed abroad in our hearts with the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit. That is the relationship he wants you to know in this world so that you walk in his power and in his authority. I want to share with you what I received today. I will mention that I haven't been giving as many messages of recent because I am working very hard and at almost the very completion of my book, which will be published pretty soon now. I've pretty well completed it. I have a few little things I want to put in here and there and improve. 
So once that is done, there will be a lot more messages, and I do plan after that to get out and be doing evangelism and starting a work for the kingdom of God here wherever God leads, because it is time, however God wants it. If he wants me to be with some other church, that's fine too. But I'm just here in the, this, this time telling you why I haven't been giving as many messages. So I want to share with you the song now. You just had that. But I want to share with you the two um, scriptures I received by the casting of the lot before God. But not only from today, which is Monday, September the 22nd. Pardon me, not September the 22nd, September the 12th. And I also want to share what I received on Saturday by the casting of Lot. And both of these were not ones where the themes, as they often do when I cast Lot, stand out very, very obviously. I have found often when they don't stand out obviously, you have to meditate more and the themes then become all the stronger when you finally see it because you don't always see it right away. Sometimes you think, man, why did the lot not work? And then you find out it actually is there and that God is saying something as you continue to meditate on those chapters. And that was the case back on Saturday, September the 10th, where I received Deuteronomy 19.10 and Mark 7. And one would have wondered how in the world did those two chapters fit together? And so I only have one verse in front of me here at the moment from Deuteronomy 19. Nine, because I do plan to share on what I received today. And it says this, If thou shalt keep all these commandments to do them, which I command thee this day, to love the Lord thy God, and to walk ever in his ways, then shalt thou add three cities more for thee beside these three. Now, in this chapter of Deuteronomy 19, these are the cities of refuge. And of course, it mentions in there, for example, that if a person happens to be using an axe to cut down a tree and the axe head flies off and hits another man and kills him, then that person can flee to that city. But it goes on to say that if you people really obey the Lord and love him with all your hearts, I'll give you an extra three cities besides those three for you to flee to. Now the idea was, and what it says in that chapter is that innocent blood would not be shed. Because a person that kills someone, and it doesn't do it deliberately, to kill them is to kill and shed innocent blood. And so God is indicating that if they enter into a deep love union with him that is totally wholehearted and given to him, there will be less of those type of things that will happen in their land that bring judgment and bring his wrath upon the land and that bring suffering to so many people's lives. And then in Mark 7, we have, from what I recall now, of course, because it's been a while, different things that the Lord is sharing. And maybe I should turn to Mark 7 because, you know, I don't remember everything. I do remember some things I've received that day from Mark chapter 7. But 
not everything. So it doesn't hurt to go to Mark chapter 7 here, which I'll do right now, and just bring some of those things out that I received in Mark chapter 7. Here we go. Mark 7. And then came together unto him the Pharisees and the certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, unwashed hands, they found fault. And for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not holding the tradition of the elders. Of course, Christ emphasized that you're so keen about keeping these kind of things. He wasn't saying it was wrong, but what he was saying was your emphasis is in the wrong place. You're not emphasizing the importance of keeping your heart in right relationship with me, but about doing all these outward things, thinking that somehow that justifies yourself before God, when in your heart you feed hate and murder and adultery and all of these evil things. And he says, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain, he says, they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other things like do ye. He said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, Gift, Corban means gift, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. In other words, he curses his father and mother. He says, Well, God allowed me to do that so that you would learn more patience. I'm a gift to you, um, though I'm cursing you. But according to the commandment, they were not to suffer him. And I do believe it was after he did it. It might have been the first time, but it might have been after three times I've forgotten, if there was that. But nevertheless, that was what was required. Now, how does that fit in with Deuteronomy 18. Well, this is what I just want to read a bit of what I put down on the notes. The common theme in these two chapters, and it goes on, of course, in these two chapters, and there's a woman that comes before him that's a Grecian and is desperate that her son, her daughter has the devil cast out of her. And the Lord, you'd, you'd think, well, why would he say that to her? You know, he saith unto them, are ye so without, okay, I'll go to that little part too, a little later on here in this chapter, after he talks about the heart. It says that for a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Cypheronician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. So he's basically calling her because she's a Grecian, a dog that isn't worthy of anything but the crumbs from off the table. And one would wonder why. And you can speculate as to why. But here is what the Lord was wanting to see, is if that woman would be willing to humble herself 
and still believe God. And lo and behold, what does she do? She says, yes, Lord, but the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So please, I might, I'm very unworthy, but I'm still pleading with you. And this was considered a great response of faith by the Lord, that she would still have faith, would have a humility in that, in her. That results in a very pure faith. And as a result, her daughter was made whole from those devils they left her. So how does this all relate? Okay, I want to read this. The common theme in these two chapters is the failure to be diligent with our tongue. How does that relate to the tongue? Well, the, the Spirit of God showed me that what he was wanting to emphasize in these two chapters was the heart and the tongue. So there are consequences beyond our control that come against us from other people because of misusing our tongue, which is the condition of our heart that has caused that, that requires us to flee to God because of those consequences of things we said we are experiencing people come against us or say things against us or do something that is affecting our lives because of our own lack of diligence with our heart to keep it the way God is wanting us to. And so we need to flee to God as our refuge. Now in Israel, there was the cities of refuge and humble ourselves that we might find deliverance like the Syrophoenician woman. The Greek woman with the possessed daughter had to humble herself to receive deliverance for her daughter. If you accidentally killed your neighbor, because the axe head was loose, then it was your lack of diligence to be safe that caused that. Thus, you can flee to a place of protection in the Lord, which is represented in those cities of refuge. People, God's people need to also be a city of refuge for those that have experienced tragedy in their lives that may have come into their lives due to their lack of diligence in a love relationship with God. We can ignore the reality of being diligent to be safe and protect our neighbor for the convenience of immediate fulfillment. But God is requiring us to enter into a relationship with him where there is such diligence that these things are covered. We also can ignore the reality of wholeheartedly loving God by literally keeping his word through the presumption of our own interpretation of things that we should do to convince ourselves we are keeping his word. Thus, we ignore the reality of diligence to love God. And when the Lord said that you're to stone your son, it was easy for them to rationalize that God couldn't have really meant that and therefore we'll spare our son. And so there wasn't that diligence to crucify our own natural attachments, even to our own ones from our own family. God wants us to put, as Abraham did his son on the altar, to put everything on the altar, not because we do not love them, but because in it we will love them all the more. Because we are loving God first, 
through which we can love them all the more alone. Only God can give us grace to love beyond ourselves. That is why we need the Holy Spirit in his love shed abroad in our hearts. I want to go on and share with you what I received today on Monday. I received two chapters that are a contrast with each other. In Nehemiah 10, Israel is being restored. And when you read Nehemiah 10, you, you find that they are being deeply restored to a relationship of wholeheartedness with God. And I could read a few verses, I suppose. They clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his judgments and his statutes, that we would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. It's a very natural thing to want to be friendly with other people that are from other backgrounds, that are very idolatrous. But God doesn't want us to spare our flesh. And if the people of the land bring ware or any victuals on the Sabbath day to sell that we would not buy of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day, and that we would leave the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. In other words, they would let people that owed money to them go free on the seventh year. And it goes on. And the other chapter, Ezekiel 7, is the opposite, where God says he's not going to spare them because of all the iniquity they were committing. And I cast another scripture to get more insight, and I did. I got Isaiah 12. And what is Isaiah 12 about? It is about a day coming when God restores the nation of Israel to such a deep love relationship with him as was in the song we sung, this oneness that brings the abundance of life. Now, I want to share with you that in the book I'm writing on the evidence of life after death, I was looking up because there's very few um, YouTube videos on Muslims in the afterlife because, and there's none of them going to heaven in the afterlife, except the ones that are converted to Christ that I could find on there. That's the truth. So I'm even writing about that in this book, just the observation of what I saw. But I tried my best and I found one. And this Muslim, when he died, he doesn't speak in English, but you can read the words on it. And I wrote it out. He describes how, first of all, he met his grandfather that died a week before him. And he was all dressed and really nice. But then he's standing there and he's seeing his whole life flash before him of 20 years. He was only 20 years old. And then suddenly he's being tormented because of all the sins he committed. And he said the torment was so terrible that when he committed a sin where he belittled someone with his mouth and made them feel terrible when he shouldn't have, fire would come out of his mouth and it would be like hot burning molten metal in his mouth. And he said, that's even worse than what you would experience in this world if you literally had hot molten metal put in your mouth. He said it was worse than that. 
and his whole body would burn and be on fire. And he was describing how terrible his experience was. He saw things flash in his life and then he would be tortured over that and this fire would come on him and torture him over these things that he would see throughout his life that he did that were sins, looking lustfully at women and so on. And committing sins with women and so on, I would assume. Then when he came back, and then a man appeared to him, or a being appeared to him that was clothed in green with a very bright face and said, and his mom was, even though a Muslim, praying with all her heart and asking everyone to pray. And this man in this afterlife that he was in came before him and he put his hand on his chest in respect. And this man in this afterlife said, you're going back because, but he doesn't tell him that. He tells the people around him. He says, we have decided to send him back because his mother is praying so much. She's praying very much. Therefore, he will be sent back. And he was sent back. And since he came back, he said for the last 14 years, he has never committed. He, he said, yes, I would be lying if I told you I don't make mistakes. But he said, whenever I make a mistake, I get it right, right away. And he said, whenever I offend someone, I immediately go to them and humble myself before them and ask for forgiveness. Every time, he says. Totally changed person. And he never referred to Yahweh the whole time. Or I should say, not to Yahweh, to uh, his Muslim God, Allah. He never referred, he, he emphasized forgiveness over and over, which is what the gospel preaches. So I want to emphasize to you how important it is to be in a right relationship with God, where you are living a life that is walking in a deep love union with him, with diligence to keep yourself whole in the inner being, W-H-O-L-E. And that comes from living a holy life that allows the indwelling of the Spirit of God within you to whelm up as rivers of living water, of resurrection power and life, and to walk in that authority. God is calling his people to come out of all uncleanness in this hour, to come out and be separate and to be clean and to be pure, that you may enter into the abundance of life and of love that he has for you. And as it says here in Isaiah 12, and I'll read this in closing, and in that day thou shalt say, I will give thanks unto thee, O Yahweh, for thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For Yahweh, even Yahweh, is my strength and song. He has become my deliverance, salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day, Ye shall say, give thanks unto Yahweh, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto Yahweh, for he hath done excellent things. 
Let this be known in all the earth. Cry aloud and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great in the midst of thee is the Holy One of Israel. God wants to dwell in you as an individual so that you walk in his authority because you're walking in a deep love relationship with him that's holy and pure. He wants the body of Christ to enter into that. I've written a book called Godheadship and Body Invasion, which you can purchase on Amazon by my name, David James Thompson. God, Headship, and Body Invasion, outline format, about 270 pages or so. Get it in Kindle. It's cheaper, and you got a lot of links then. You go to various videos, etc. But that book gives all kinds of suggestions in there so that you do not limit the fullness of the Headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. They're only suggestions to do those things that are the most diligence so that your local assembly allows the full indwelling of God in your midst so that you conquer your community, your city, your nation for the glory of God in these last days and fulfill the zeal of God's heart to bring forth his bride, to bring forth the fulfillment of John 17 and the gathering of a mighty harvest. God bless you. May you align with God's zeal and heart and enter into the abundance of destiny that he wants you to have for his life. Do not let the enemy rob you anymore. Thank you for listening to this message.